Hi, this is Welcome to the End Times from Chipperish Media. I'm Southern Fried Scholar and Angel Performing Too Many Frivolous Miracles, Dr. Kelly Jones. And I'm story expert and demon taking credit for the evil humans do, Lonnie Diane Rich. And we're here today to talk about hard times. Good Omens Season 1, Episode 3. This episode was written by Neil Gaiman and directed by Douglas McKinnon. Great postulant mangled bollocks to the great blasted plan. It's time to stop Armageddon. In hard times, we go through 6,000 years of history between Crowley and Aziraphale, neither of which really moves this story forward aside from us discovering how Crowley gets his hands on holy water. And it's adorable, but it's not narrative. So what? It's wonderful. Aziraphale at the garden wall, then we've got them both at the flood, realizing that God's kind of evil, and then at Jesus's crucifixion, then hanging out at a bar in Rome, then his good and bad nights in Camelot, realizing that they're just canceling each other out, then at the Globe Theater, where they make a deal to do each other's dirty work, then Crowley saves Aziraphale in a reign of terror, and Crowley asks Aziraphale to get him holy water, and Aziraphale refuses because it could destroy Crowley, and then Crowley saves Aziraphale again, this time from Nazis, and he even saves the books. And then Aziraphale gets Crowley the holy water so Crowley won't get hurt during his heist. And 28 minutes later, we <laughs> get the opening credits. Yeah, so it's wonderful. <laughs> Dear fucking God. So finally, we pick up where we left off with Aziraphale calling Tadfield and getting Adam's father. Aziraphale goes to see Gabriel and the good guys gang to try to avert war, but they don't want to avert war. Aziraphale is on his own. Meanwhile, Ananthema is throwing a fit about her lost book when she meets up with Adam and tells him about all the terrible things in the world, like nuclear reactors and whale hunting and global warming. Both Crowley and Aziraphale tell Shadwell to get his best people down to Tadfield, and when Newt notices that something strange is happening with the weather in, who would have guessed it, Tadfield, Shadwell sends Newt down there to take a look around. Crowley and Aziraphale meet, and Crowley wants the two of them to run off somewhere. But Aziraphale says they can't. He's an angel, and Crowley's a demon, and they are on opposite sides. Crowley says they're on their side, but Aziraphale says no, it's over, and Crowley leaves. Meanwhile, Famine gets a delivery while working on a new food that has no actual food in it, and he has to run off. As Adam goes to sleep eating lemon sherbet candy, the people at the local nuclear reactor realize that even though power is still flowing, the nuclear core is gone, replaced by a single lemon sherbet candy. All right, so Dr. Jones, oh my God, this is going to be kind of a fun episode to talk about because the fucking prologue. Because the fucking prologue was made specifically to delight me and this might be my favorite 28 minutes of television <laughs> ever and and like i loved it so much they mm -hmm. made it specifically for me i want yes. to send thank you cards to everybody but adding to that delight running through my head the whole time is your reaction to a 28 minute prologue and then the credit the opening okay. title credits okay. coming in the middle okay all right let me just say, not just a 28-minute prologue. This isn't at the beginning of the first episode. No, this is in the middle of the whole narrative. They dump a big-ass 28-minute prologue. And then, and 
then as if to say, well, fuck you, Lonnie. We know what we're doing and we don't care. Then they put the credits in the middle of the goddamn episode as if to say, yeah, all that came before this doesn't really matter. But we put it in there anyway. You know why? Because we can. Right. And here's the thing. Just because it's a prologue doesn't mean it's not good. All of this is delightful. It's just not narratively moving anything forward. We find out how Crowley gets holy water, but that's not really necessary to the story itself. Now, that said, this, these 28 minutes, that's the story I want. I don't care yes. about Armageddon. Yes, <laughs> I, I know. It. I, I like, care about the relationship the between these two. Yes, yes, this is the show I that want I want. This love story, I want... The adventures of Crowley and Aziraphale throughout time. Yes. Preferably with more of Shakespeare. Yes. And, and then I want them to get on the TARDIS and uh-huh. somehow have David Tennant as both Crowley and the Doctor at the same time. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> it just delights me so much. But I'm watching this and I'm like, this is the best prologue ever. This mm-hmm. is my favorite thing I've ever seen. This is the show I actually really want. And I don't really care about Adam and the them and Anathema yeah. and Newt and Shadwell and the end yeah. of the world and the devil and the angel. I don't really yep. care. Now, they can throw Gabriel in there because he's well, great. With his purple eyes. Could yes. be a lot of fun. I mean, he, he could, could be, be part super of this. fun. He could, he could be part of in. this. Like, sure. we, could, we could see him through time. Like, he could mm-hmm. come into the bookstore when it was still selling scrolls and unwind the yeah. scroll and say, thank you for my pornography. And that would be great. Yes. But I just I just want Crowley and Aziraphale 24-7. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie. This is the story that I want. Like, I mean, yeah. I don't disagree. Like, I think all of this stuff is fantastic. I absolutely love it. It is delightful. But it's not the story they're here to tell. And it's not the right. story they're spending the rest of these six hours telling. And I love this story, like these these little snippets of the story that we're getting about these this angel and this demon who are on Earth together. And like, mm-hmm. that's what I would love. I would yeah. love it if all of these like little, you know, bits of history, if each of these was an episode unto itself, if we open up at the Garden of Eden, you know, and we've got that whole thing. So the stuff that we had before that we saw in the beginning could be part of that first episode. And then the next episode is Noah's flood and Jesus's crucifixion or whatever, you know, but in mm. Each one of these episodes, it's all about these two deciding that they really have to work together, you know, deciding that's the best way to go. And there's so much as I look at all of this, I think there is so much great story to tell of that, you know, yeah. Could you see season two? Like, okay, let's say they're going to do season two, Mm -hmm. which would delight me. And that becomes how Crowley and Aziraphale move forward together. Like mm-hmm. that becomes the 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 full story of this love story post this postponed yeah. Armageddon. Yeah, I guess. Like, I don't know. I, I, I but I want this. Yeah, like I want. I, I want, want these this. six thousand years. <laughs> I want Crowley Aziraphale traipsing through history. I want like all of this stuff. That's what I want. So I mean, I'm I'm not gonna say that I don't love these 28 minutes because I do. I love Mm -hmm. all of it. I think it's delightful. And we are about to talk about it in great detail. My point (laughs) is, that's the story you should have been telling. That's the story. I mean, like none of this stuff was in the book. I would have loved like, and, and that's, I think what I find frustrating is that all of it, like there's so much incredibly great stuff 
you know, but it's in such a hodgepodge mess. And the best of it is stuff that they just made up and just threw in, you know, in this. And it was probably stuff, honestly, that was cut from the book. I imagine. I imagine a lot of this is stuff <laughs> that like Gaiman and Pratchett knew, you know, um, because it's part of that history. But um, so I, I, like, I don't know. I'm just I'm torn on the whole thing. It's the stuff I love the most. It's probably in the end going to be my favorite part of the whole series. And yet... Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it drives me crazy because it's it's not it's a the narrative that I want. B not the narrative that I'm getting throughout these mm-hmm. six episodes. And mm-hmm. so like it just makes me feel that much more, like you know like that much more like I want the the story that I'm not getting. Huh. I want the story that I'm not getting. I really mm-hmm. like that because I mm-hmm. think you're you're absolutely right. And I'm I'm tied for favorite things between this prologue, which honestly is probably going to win and the last episode, which was also not in the book. Yeah. So yeah, Yeah. that's the story I want is, is these two, these two, you know, this angel and this demon throughout time and, and, and them each fighting against the forces that they've been tied to in heaven Mm -hmm. and hell. That's Mm -hmm. what I want. Yeah. 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 No, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. But anyway, okay, so let's go ahead and talk about this 28-minute prologue. <laughs> stuff that is the best stuff in it, and you could cut it all out, and it wouldn't make a difference in the narrative at all. Um, <laughs> but we start with the Garden of Eden, right? And so mm-hmm. we have God glowing her light down on Aziraphale, asking where the flaming sword is. <laughs> and he's so cute. He's like, forget my own head next, you know? So and then he's just like, oh, cute. dear. I know. He's like, but I just realized that Aziraphale has spike hair. Oh, spike from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. For any of you who are wondering what the hell I'm talking about, he has spike hair. I mean, it's not quite as edgy as Spike, but it's peroxided in that same way. It's kind of neat. It's really cute. It's really cute, and I love that his hair is always the same, and Crowley's changes. Crowley's changes. Yeah, but it's always red. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is fantastic, and mm-hmm. and I love Aziraphale's answer to God, like sword, right, big sharp cutty thing. Yes, <laughs> I have no idea where I put it. Sorry. <laughs> He's the worst liar. But I mean, here we are. We open up in the Garden of Eden. And I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, a lot of this is all about this kind of examination of the nature of good and evil. And the fact that, like, honestly, you know, one side kind of the same as the other. Like, they're not really Mm -hmm. that different, you know. Um, And so we open up, you know, here we are with with Aziraphale lying to God. Yeah. You know, and I mean, that's a thing. Like if you're, you know, if you're good, capital G good, you don't lie. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and so I find it kind of interesting that we sort of move into this space where those lines almost from the beginning are, are you know, really kind of fuzzy. You know, and then we see that as we go into Noah's flood, Mesopotamia, 3003. So this is like a thousand years later. Right. Um, And we have um, Noah's flood. And Aziraphale saying, from what I hear, God's a bit touchy, wiping out all the human race. Big storm. And then, you know, Crowley goes all of them. And he's like, oh, just the locals. I don't believe the Almighty's upset with the Chinese or the Native Americans or the Australians. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> None of which I believe at that time had been named any of those things, but you know, whatever, no. it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Well, and I, I loved it. I mean, this, this scene to me was, was poignant and it was funny, but it was also mm-hmm. really, really startling. And Aziraphale's doubt on his face that he yeah. wouldn't really express with well, Crowley yeah. questioning it. But the, the ants go marching. 
playing mm-hmm. in the background when they were yeah. showing the animals was so delightful. <laughs> and and Crowley, you know, is saying, but they're drowning everybody else. That's something you'd expect my lot to do. Right. You know, yeah. again, just showing this, you know, he's he's really shocked, I yeah. think, at, at, at what God is doing in this scene. Um, but then when he says, hey, that unicorn's going to make a run for it, and then <laughs> the unicorn runs away. I was like, oh, my God. He's like, I oh, we got this. one left, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? But It'll it's, be it's cute. It's cute because David Tennant is Scottish. And, of course, the national animal of Scotland is the unicorn. Oh, you know? I didn't yeah, know Yeah, so I thought that that was kind of cute. Um, I also like this moment where he's so horrified and he says, not the kids. You can't kill kids. Yes. You know, and Crowley is all horrified as that. So, so I mean, I kind of like this reflection of like a, a real question of good and not necessarily like, like lying to God is, I would not call that evil, you know, mm-hmm. but it's not like the good and proper and right quote unquote thing to do, you know. Um, and then, so we have this like, and then here we have God, you know, killing people. Yeah. And then, <laughs> And then when feels like, well, yeah, but she said she's going to give us this rainbow afterward. <laughs> he got a rainbow. Like, a it's, rainbow. it's something new as it's, a promise yes. not to drown everybody as again. As a promise like, not to drown <laughs> everyone. I mean, my God. And it's so horrifying, you know. And then we move forward into, you know, uh, Golgotha. 33 Mm -hmm. AD, right? When Jesus is being crucified, which is such a difficult scene to watch. Yes, it really was. It was, it was to me the most painful scene in the whole show. Mm -hmm. And somehow that felt appropriate, you know? Um, And of course, you know, Crowley is taking credit as being the demon that tempted Christ. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Which of course he was. Exactly. I showed him all the kingdoms of the world. <laughs> you know? And, um, but he said, you know, he asked Aziraphale, what did he say that got everyone so upset? And Aziraphale said, be kind to each other. And Crowley's like, oh, yeah, that'll do it. And yeah. I was like, oh, my God. Humans did not take long to become awful. No. Like, really, no, they truly really awful. They really didn't. But this is also the moment where uh, Crowley goes from Crawley to Crowley, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So, yep. and there was this snake, you know, he's like too much slithering on the ground connotation to Crawley. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's going to Crowley. And of course, a crow is a flying animal, you know, yeah. goes toward above, right? So, I mean, I don't know, like there's, <laughs> it's funny because like I'm, I'm looking for these like deep, metaphorical associations possibly i'm working a little bit too hard for it <laughs> and i'm um, going i'm going for either. the like the joke because i'm like oh bc before crowley oh like <laughs> this is what i've got now like, this is oh my when god his identity right. shifts you he know. can mark he can mark his shift in identity to the beginning of our our current calendar yeah that's like right that. <laughs> So then we have them in Rome just mm-hmm. a few years later, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, they bump into each other at, a, you know, in a bar, right? Yep. And up until now, it's always been Crowley checking in on Aziraphale, right? Crowley showing up where Aziraphale is. So he's the one who is kind of like, you know, making the, um, you know, reaching out in the friendship, right? You know, yeah. making the bid for connection, right? 
So here we've got both of them. They just happen to bump into each other. Um, and I got to say, I love Aziraphale's excitement about food. Like, yes, food and books. Like, he is so... I love that passion. I love that enthusiasm. It's so adorable. It's so cute. And there are so many places that I want to take him. Mm-hmm. I want to be like, come on, baby. I'm going to take you to the bookstore. I'm going to take you to the the bakery i'm gonna take you here i'm gonna take you there i'm gonna take you to my favorite coffee shop like it's gonna be so fun uh but i love this is kind of our first crowley aziraphale Mm -hmm. cafe scene you know which becomes a thing with them um and i love crowley saying that he just dipped in for a quick temptation yeah i'm like yeah you did sugar (laughs) but what i loved most most Mm -hmm. of all was that aziraphale introduced crowley to oysters and Crowley had never eaten one before and Aziraphale is like well let me tempt you to oh no wait that's your job and I'm like okay stop like (laughs) all right so oysters are popularly considered to be an aphrodisiac yes so I actually Mm -hmm. looked this up to Mm -hmm. read the science behind it Um, and the Smithsonian had actually written a great article about this Oh, yeah. And so the the science on whether or not oysters are an actual aphrodisiac is is still to be determined. Right. Like there mm-hmm. there are some hormonal things that that could point in that direction, but the science is is still out. Mm-hmm. But given the popular culture view of mm-hmm. oysters as an aphrodisiac and the fact that we did not get oysters in the book, right? I'm just saying. Aziraphale's no. kind of sweetly making the first move here. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that we can absolutely claim that this is a textual, you know, romance between <laughs> oh, these yeah. two. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that it was it was subtextual in the book, although if you wanted to, you could make a textual argument for it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that in the TV show, absolute text. I mean, it, it may not even be necessarily in the, in the actual, like, uh, dialogue, the actual, but I mean, like the way that that Michael Sheen is playing Aziraphale, yeah, like he is clearly playing Aziraphale to be in love with Crowley. Um, I, I'm not sure about David Tennant's play; it, it's not, but it's played in a different way. Yeah, like I think that with with Crowley, with with Aziraphale, you see it in his face, you see it mm-hmm. in his responses, you see it in the way that he smiles at Crowley. Yep. And with Crowley, I think you see it in the way that he shows up. Yep. Like he shows up for Aziraphale over and over and over again. And I mean, yeah, this this bumping into each other, they might have quote unquote bumped into each other. Aziraphale was there, and who's there? Crowley. Yep. Like yep. Crowley also shows up. So this this casual, oh, I just happened to bump in, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that, that may actually not be, you know, he yeah. may have, have actually deliberately been in the same place as Aziraphale. Um, so I find it a really interesting um, relationship read. I, I do kind of wish they had made it more textual, mm-hmm. but, but I kind of like the, I don't know. I like the teasing of it too. I yeah. like the the subtlety of it. I, I, I guess I guess I would because we get so few, mm-hmm. you know, like positively, you know, shown gay relationships. I guess I want it to be a little more textual because of that. Had yeah. if we were getting anywhere near enough 
of a spectrum of romantic relationships in our storytelling, I think I'd be a lot happier with this Mm -hmm. the way that it is. Cause I like that subtlety. I like the fact that you have to kind of lean into it and see it there. You know, I like all of that. I think it's fun. And I think it pulls you as a viewer, like into the relationship even deeper because it is sort of held a little bit at bay, you know, but it's just that we get so few gay relationships and this is so lovely and you know it's like I don't care that they're gay I care that they're in love and that they're wonderful you know but it's just that if we had more representation in all of our media then I wouldn't be wanting so much for them to be absolutely textual and saying yes we have a wonderful gay love story here you know yeah so yeah yeah Yeah. absolutely and I and I really love how they you know keep canceling each other out Mm -hmm. and thwarting each other yeah. And ending up in the same places, whether they had planned to or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, then we shift to the Kingdom of Wessex, yes. 537 AD. <laughs> and Aziraphale is writing for Arthur with the Knights of the Round Table, because of mm-hmm. course he is. And right. Crowley is the Black Knight, because of course he is. Mm-hmm. And can we please have the spinoff show with Crowley and Aziraphale and the Lady of the Lake and Camelot, like now? <laughs> now. Now would be good. <laughs> I know. Wouldn't that be amazing? It would I make love me this so whole happy. Thing. I yeah. know. It's so great. And I love, is that you under there, Crawley? And he's still calling him Crawley. Really? Yes. like, what the hell are you playing at? I'm, I'm here fomenting. I'm, I'm fomenting discord and dissent. You know, <laughs> and then it's just it's so sweet we're both working very hard in damp places and just canceling each other out like you know Crowley's putting this together yeah yeah I just I love it I love it and I love the time that goes into this right this is a, a love story that has taken place over 6,000 mm-hmm. years yeah but the time that it took them to get to the arrangement you know, yes. the time that it takes for them, like Crowley plants a seed and then he comes back like a thousand years later and checks on it. Well, I guess when you're, you know, immortal, you have literally all the time in the world. Right. Um, but it's just it's so sweet. <laughs> what if we both just sent messages to the home office saying we've done everything they asked for? Yeah. That would be lying. That would be lying. <laughs> From the guy who lied literally to God God. at the beginning (laughs) of this whole thing. Yeah. And I know, like, we keep, we have the Earth as a Libra joke, and we were kind of wondering, like, okay, well, does that, what are the signs of everybody else? And I'm sorry, but Crowley is an Aquarius. Okay. All right. He is a full-on Aquarius. (laughs) He is practical. He Uh is not showing all of his emotions, except for when he's pissed off. Mm -hmm. And, like... He is thinking about things in his own way. And I'm like, I see you. I see you. Like, yes, let's be practical about this. Let's just send the memos and go have coffee. And I'm like, yes, that's exactly what you should do. So wait, are you saying that you identify with Crowley? A little bit. (laughs) That perhaps our little imaginary angel demon thing that you and I have going on might have been mismatched. (laughs) I try to embrace my angelic side. I do. I do. But... Man, I just, I'm like, yes, yes, I see you, Curly. That is an excellent uh, point. You should absolutely team up to do nothing. Yes, that oh makes God. perfect sense. So what sense. is Aziraphale? Do you know? Or because it's no. not a match to you, you have no idea? I have no idea. I have no idea. I'm just I like. I have no idea either. I don't know about any of that stuff. Yeah, I don't know. But I'm like, I that one, I would, I would put a dollar on. 
Um, but then, like, on the side of it, like, just a total side note that delighted me. But Aziraphale mm-hmm. looks damn good in chainmail. He does. Like, he seriously. Really does. He was kind of rocking good. it. He yeah. was rocking it. He looked great. Put him down a runway in that chainmail. That, uh, that could really bring a style back, you know? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so then we go, of course, to the Globe Theater. Right, because we cannot possibly do any historical tourism without hitting Shakespeare. Of course, of <laughs> course, of course. So we've got uh, nobody showing up for Hamlet, right? mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know he's in there. He's got oranges, and what else is the lady selling? Uh, for that food? would be oysters. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. We have all the sexy theater snacks. Grapes, yes, yes oranges, exactly. Oysters, grapes, oranges, oysters, mm-hmm. all of which I can get at my local movie tavern whenever <laughs> I go. Ah, so. <laughs> uh, times have changed. I love how much Aziraphale is loving the play and oh. loving the experiences and eating that orange, and he's just so excited. He's so um, delightful. I know. I love that enthusiasm. This, like, if I had to say from the whole show, this is probably my favorite scene because this is the scene where I lost my soul from Perfect Happiness. (laughs) Like, it was Uh, over. It's done. I'm actually uh, podcasting uh, Beyond the Grave right uh, now (laughs) because I died from Perfect Happiness in this moment. But you know, David Tennant in Doctor Who is ten, so the Mm -hmm. the Shakespeare Code is one of my favorite. Doctor Who episodes yeah. ever. And so mm-hmm. to have him back with Shakespeare in this way, <laughs> and, and, you know, and his little lines, like, I think you should get on with the play, you know, yes. and, and Aziraphale mm-hmm. trying so hard. He's like, come on, Hamlet, buck up. And right? <laughs> just, oh, my God. <laughs> I love it. And then Crowley, you know, gives these great words to Shakespeare, who's, of course, mm-hmm. going to steal them. Yes. And, you know, age cannot wither her, nor custom stale her infinite variety. Well, that goes into Anthony and Cleopatra. Mm-hmm. And later, Crowley adopts Anthony as his first name. Oh, nice catch. Right? And I yes. was like, oh, I like it. And I then like it too. when he's trying to, you know, bring back up this agreement with Aziraphale, you know, and mm-hmm. he's, he's kind of telling him, again, let's cancel each other out. Let's share. Yeah. Let's let one of us go do the tempting and the miracle. You know, like, come on, let's let's right. work smarter, not harder here. Mm-hmm. And Aziraphale says, you cannot be suggesting what I infer you're implying. I loved that. I right? loved that so much. <laughs> but Crowley comes back and says, which is... Because uh-huh. we have to define our goddamn terms. He and like, is an Aquarius. He is. He is an Aquarius after my own heart. And he's like, mm-hmm. let's be very clear on what we're talking about. We're not going to suggest and infer and imply. We're going to straight out have this we're conversation. And I'm just melting into all the puddles of happy. But what's what I love about this is underneath Aziraphale's anxiety isn't concerned with getting in trouble with heaven. It's concerned with Crowley getting in trouble with hell. Yes, you know, that is exactly it. That is what I loved so much about this is that they've been doing this for a while. Mm-hmm. Like this is not a new thing. They've had this agreement going on, right? Yeah. Aziraphale is uncomfortable with it, not because of what it means for him, not because of his consequences, because his consequences will be a sternly worded letter, 
right? Right. Whereas uh, the the consequences for Crowley are that he will be destroyed. They will not just kill you. They will destroy you. Yeah. You know, and he doesn't want to live in a world without Crowley in it. Right. And and the concern and fear and yes. pain on his face is so sincere. Mm-hmm. You know, the, just the, the face acting that Michael Sheen oh, brings God. to this. Michael Sheen is amazing what he brings to this role. It's yeah, just incredible. He's, a, he's so good. And then we just get this. I mean, you cannot delight me more than this. It's not possible. You know, mm-hmm. and, and Shakespeare says, well, it would take a miracle to get anyone to come and see Hamlet. And mm-hmm. Aziraphale cuts his eyes at Crowley because Aziraphale is already like over his limit, right, of miracles. Yes. And Crowley's like, fine, I'll do that one. My treat. <laughs> and this grin on Aziraphale's face. Oh, I know. Oh, God. It just lights up my heart. It was so great. It was so great. Oh, my God. I know. And then we move, of course, into Paris, 1793. Mm-hmm. Right? With Aziraphale, who had to go to Paris for the crepes. <laughs> You can't get good crepes anywhere else, Lonnie. You can't. You can't. The only good crepes are in Paris. And he's like, so you just thought you'd hop over the channel in the middle of a revolution. It's like, I got peckish. I got peckish. I got peckish. Um, It's so incredibly sweet. And then here he is. He's dressed as an aristocrat, right? Because that's his style. Like, Mm -hmm. that's what he does. That's how he is. He has that sense of style. Um, And ends up getting picked up with all the other aristocrats and is about to be beheaded. He's going to be the 900th and 99th. (laughs) Exactly. And who shows up? Every single one of these, once again, it is Crowley coming to Aziraphale's side. It is always Crowley coming to Aziraphale. Aziraphale loves Crowley. But Crowley is the actions. Like, there Mm -hmm. are some people that you cannot tell how they feel, except that you look at the actions and they add up, you know? And I mean, this is him once again showing up for Aziraphale. He, you know, does the miracle because Aziraphale's been getting in trouble for too many frivolous miracles. Mm-hmm. Naughty little I angel. Mean, oh, my God. <laughs> it's just, it's so incredibly sweet. And, and we just, yeah. Yeah. And we get one of my favorite Crowley lines here. Mm-hmm. When Aziraphale, you know, he's so horrified by the guillotine and everything that's going on. And he calls the people animals. And Crowley says, animals don't kill each other with clever machines, Angel. Only humans do that. Yep. First of all, the less level went up by like 5,000%. But it's such a Crowley perspective. Yeah. You know, to be looking at this and saying, no, I I didn't do this. Demons didn't do this. Humans did this. Yeah, you know, and and he's he's just pointing that out, but of course he's there to save Aziraphale. And when he first appears, mm-hmm. all Aziraphale says is Crowley. He just says yeah. his name, and yeah. I heard, "Oh, Crowley, of course you'd come and save me. I love you." I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's all there in the subtext. Yes, it's it is all there. Subtext. It's so incredibly sweet. And of course, when they leave, what about if I buy you lunch? Yes. And I love that <laughs> ongoing theme. You know, yes. can I take yes. you to some lunch? Can I take you out to lunch? It's oh, mm-hmm. it's so great. They have their favorite dates. It's wonderful. Yes. No, I mean it is. It's really great. And it's so fun. And it's almost like, you know, because I, I don't believe for a moment that Azarafel was actually going to be beheaded because he's like he's getting in trouble for frivolous miracles, so he's not saving himself. But at the same time, like 
getting discorporated and all that paperwork, I think it's probably going to be worse <laughs> than like one more little miracle. But, you know, but there he is. And of course, Crowley's going to show up. Like, I feel like a lot of this is a dance that they do where they both know exactly what all the steps are going to be. Oh, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's just incredibly sweet. Then we get to St. James Park, mm-hmm. 1862. And this is... Uh, kind of like this is a, a like a real point of conflict for them yeah when crowley says in case it all goes pear-shaped he ha- he has a plan and then as soon as he says for if it all goes pear-shaped azurafel says oh i like pears <laughs> it was so dear it was so oh, dear and delightful is. it mm-hmm. was so sweet that you know crowley's talking about like this contingency plan in case hell comes after him and azurafel's yeah. like oh i like pears <laughs> i know so it's just that moment you know where he just and he's not even talking about literal pears it's just a pear metaphor <laughs> <laughs> oh i like pears <laughs> like oh let's go get one now Oh, God. But I love to, when he has the piece of paper and he says, Mm -hmm. I wrote it all down. Trees have ears. Ducks have ears. Do ducks have ears? Must you. That's how they hear the other ducks. (laughs) And all of this is what Crowley is just saying while Aziraphale is reading this note that, of course, is horrifying him. You know, Mm -hmm. he says, I'm not bringing you a suicide pill, you know. Um, And Crowley is you know like he's trying to get a plan in place he's trying to like prepare he's thinking about things Mm -hmm. you know um and it's just it's so they're so different in that way like Aziraphale absolutely I think lives in whatever the moment is oh I like pears you know it's just (laughs) whatever the moment and I think it shows the difference of their reality and their perspective Mm -hmm. because Aziraphale knows that he might get in some trouble But he still has this very naive, sweet faith in heaven Mm -hmm. as a force, Mm -hmm. right? He he believes he's on the side of good. And I don't think he really believes that they would hurt him if he got caught. But Crowley knows exactly what's going to happen. And given the choice between his own destruction and torment at the hands of hell, he's had enough experience with hell that he would rather take himself out. Like, yeah, he wants to be able to make that choice. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to get the holy water that he needs as a backup because he would yeah. rather end himself than be ended. Yeah. And Aziraphale, or then have to live in that torment. Yeah. yeah. And Aziraphale kind of refuses to accept the fact that things could end that way. Right. You know. Right. Well, what it's interesting too, though, because we start off this uh, this section, this scene, with uh, we may have both started off as angels, but you are fallen. And then he says, and then Crowley says, "I didn't really fall. I just, you know, sauntered vaguely downwards, mm-hmm. right?" And isn't sauntering vaguely downwards kind of what Aziraphale is doing? Like, what does it take? to fall and he also is you know his the the name that he goes by is mr fell yep you know so all of that together is you know and i think um that this is something that i kind of want to see in the next season Mm. you know Mm -hmm. like aziraphale what happens at what point does the sauntering become a fall because Aziraphale is, is his, the lines that he has, you know, keep kind of shifting. Yeah. And they're shifting closer to where Crowley is. And if Crowley didn't, you know, in one moment say, that's it, you know, if he just, 
if it was a gradual process. Mm -hmm. He sauntered vaguely downwards. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of interesting. And if you can saunter vaguely downwards, can you saunter vaguely upwards? Is there a way to get back? Could these two switch at some point? Like, are the lines between good and evil... Yeah, I mean, we know that they're not sharp, mm-hmm. you know, um, and there's so much, you know, in these little vignettes that we're getting, there's so much that seriously questions the essential goodness of God, the essential goodness of humans for certain, mm-hmm. you know, um, the fact that half the time, you know, both of them are looking at each other thinking this is your business. Right. Right. And and it's, you know, like the fact that they can't even tell whose job is whose. Mm -hmm. Is it evil or is it good? You know, Um, so I I don't know. Like, I think that's a really interesting construction. And I I want to spend more time kind of playing in that space. And like, you know, how do you know what's good? How do you know what's not? Yeah. And the way that they mirror each other, I would like to see them do a lot more with like Crowley, you know, he's the one that brought the apple of knowledge to Eve. Mm -hmm. He's Mm -hmm. the, you know, the one that really unleashed critical thinking and questioning on earth, right? In that Mm -hmm. way. But Aziraphale is the keeper of the symbols of knowledge. He's the owner of the bookshop. And Crowley says he doesn't read. So we have, you know, but, but it's still interwoven. It's still connected. And Aziraphale loves, loves the embodiment of the force that Crowley set free. You know, he loves books. Mm -hmm. And, and I think part of that is reflected in his love for Crowley. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's, there's just so much of that that they could do, you know, and we see Aziraphale, the things that he loves are comfort giving things. He loves books. He loves food. He loves hot cocoa. You know, mm-hmm. what does Crowley love? He loves his fast car. He loves getting in right. a little trouble. He loves stirring people up, <laughs> you know, and, and there's so much mirroring mm-hmm. and opposition there between the two of them. That's just delightful. If you see one of them moving, you know, toward the light, one of them moving toward the dark and then coming up in this beautiful gray space together yeah. where, where they're just both becoming more human. Yeah. Which I just, I love it. I love all of it. And and it's so sad to me that their first, I guess this is like the first fight that they yeah. have that we see, yeah. is really over Aziraphale seeing Crowley as wanting a suicide pill and him just refusing yeah. to entertain yeah. or to be any part of it. You mm-hmm. know, and, and they have this, pretty much this lover spat and say mm-hmm. they don't need each other, you know, yeah. and that's it. Um, only to be brought back together again when Aziraphale is yet again about to be killed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So here we have um, London, mm-hmm. 1941, the middle of the Blitz. <laughs> and Aziraphale, once again, first of all, dressed to the nines, right? Um, <laughs> handing books to Nazis. Oh, my God. Right? Making this deal. They talk about the nice and accurate prophecies, how uh, all of the the copies were destroyed Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, the holy grail of prophetic books. And then he's so excited when he can (laughs) announce he's been just waiting to tell them that this is a double cross. She, my double-dealing Nazi acquaintance, is the reason why none of those books are going back to Berlin and why your nasty little spy ring will be spending the rest of the war behind bars. (laughs) I mean, 
It is adorable. And then she, we have this weird twist upon twist. She then turns on Aziraphale and says, no, now you're going to die. And they're like, aha. (laughs) His, the whole thing is so ridiculous. His absolute enthusiasm, you know, until he realizes that he's been double crossed is so cute. And then he's like, you can't kill me. There'll be paperwork. There'll be paperwork. <laughs> I know. Oh, God. But the moment that Crowley comes in, mm-hmm. feet burning, consecrated ground. But he's there to save Aziraphale again. Dancing in pain across mm-hmm. consecrated ground. Oh, my God. Yeah. And they know him, right? The Nazis know yeah. him. Mr. Mm-hmm. Anthony J. Crowley. <laughs> and in the <laughs> middle of all of this, Aziraphale's like, what does the J stand for? <laughs> like, you know, pause. <laughs> I, I need to find out about my friend. You know, yes. and, and Crowley's like, just a J, really. And I'm like, no, it stands for Jones. That <laughs> that is Anthony Jones Crowley. I hereby declare well, it that's, so. That's officially canon now. <laughs> Absolutely Jones. <laughs> so great. And Crowley's explaining to them, you know, like this demonic miracle and they're you know like it would take yeah. this kind of miracle for this to happen and then a real miracle for this to happen so he's letting oh. Aziraphale know what to do and then he uh, tells the humans uh. he's like you're all wasting valuable running away time <laughs> mm-hmm. so oh my great. god it's so incredibly sweet but I think though oh god I don't even know what my favorite part is but this moment when they're standing in the rubble oh, of the church god and, and Aziraphale all of a sudden realizes that the books have been destroyed, mm-hmm. but Crowley saved the books. Crowley saved the that, books. See, and that's the thing. Actions. Yes. Right? What somebody says doesn't matter worth shit. What they do tells you everything about who they are and how they feel. And I'm sorry, him saving those books was a love letter to oh, Aziraphale. Oh, God, yes. And he said, just oh, a little demonic miracle of my own. And, oh. and again, the look on Aziraphale's face. And I was like, oh, my I God, know. they're so in love. And it's so they're wonderful. So it's giving me and all the so feelings. wonderful. It's and so this great. is the TV show I wanted. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's so good. The love story. Give between me a him. whole episode of all of these things. Yes. An angel, his demon, and the books. Yeah. And the books. <laughs> Oh, so here we are now in a hundred years later, Soho, 1967. We have Crowley, who looks like uh, John Lennon, right? (laughs) Getting a getting a crew together like leverage style to pull off a heist (laughs) to get some holy water. And we've got Shadwell showing up right Mm -hmm. from the Witchfinder army. A very excited Scottish man (laughs) talking about. Getting the support that he needs for the uh, for the Witchfinder army. <laughs> Making sure it's a witch-free robbery. <laughs> a witch-free robbery. Very, very important. Um, all to get him some holy water. Mm-hmm. And then this is the one time that Aziraphale shows up for Crowley. Yeah. This is the one time he surprises Crowley. Crowley gets in the car <laughs> and Aziraphale's just there. <laughs> waiting for him and it's so incredibly sweet and he just hands him the holy water you know in a thermos and it is this <laughs> lovely god just this lovely moment in the thermos in the thermos there was something mm-hmm. about it being in a thermos 
And Aziraphale had said earlier, maybe one day yeah. we can go for a picnic. That it that just felt so perfect. That yes. like, of course, it's not going to be in some holy vessel, right? Right. It looks like it came out of a picnic basket. Yeah. And I was just like, God, this is one of my favorite love stories ever. But the oh, the part yeah. of it that just got me yep. was uh, aside, mm-hmm. you know, from Aziraphale doing this. Crowley wants so badly to return this, right? Crowley is an acts of service guy. Yes. He's like, I'll give you a lift. I'll take you anywhere you want to go. Just like, please Mm -hmm. let me do something in this moment to repay you. Yeah. And Aziraphale refuses. And he says, you go too fast for me, Crowley. And I was like, welcome to desire, sweet little angel. That's what it feels like. You go too fast for me. You go too fast for me. And I'm like, it's been thousands of years. Please kiss this man already. Like, come on. I know. I know. (laughs) But it's so incredibly sweet. I love the whole thing. And then. (laughs) And then we get the opening credits for this. And of course, we've spent now twice, almost twice as long. Uh Uh-huh. Yes, the 28 minutes are it's been just great. talking about this. <laughs> it's been so great. I'm like, I'm just going to go back and keep watching the first half of this episode. And, and other stuff happens and it's fine. <laughs> yeah, other stuff happens and we don't really care. Yeah. Like, do, do we care a whole lot about anything that is not curling? Not though? really. I'm like, yeah, okay, the world's going to end. But, but, but can we go back to our angel or our demon, please? Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we get our opening credits, and now we're back in the moment. We've got Adam and Anathema. Anathema is smashing all these... And as she's smashing everything, right, I can tell, like, there's a certain point in your life where you really, truly know that you've reached middle age, mm-hmm. right? For instance, when you see somebody really upset and smashing a bunch of pots in a garden, your first thought is, hey... Somebody owns those pots. Those are not your pots. <laughs> Somebody's going to have to clean that up. You are renting this cottage. And I mean, granted, <laughs> she believes that the world is going to end. So really, what's it matter? You might as well. If you're ever going to throw a fit, I think Armageddon is the day to do it, right? Yes. You know, just go ahead. Um, but at the same time, I'm watching her do that. I'm like, hey, lady, I feel like the guy with the dog, you know, R.P. Tyler. R.P. Tyler, hey, neighborhood watch. <laughs> neighborhood watch those pots belong to somebody yeah and it and i was like you know there should be a place where we can go and smash the hell out of stuff when we're stressed yes. out like that yes. should be a thing like forget the bar a place where that is the business i think there is something i like think that. there used to know. be i feel like i've heard of that there before, used to be but... a place in atlanta where you could go in and yeah. throw plates against the wall Oh, and it was set up for safety and there were like goggles and shields and stuff. And you could just Aww. it was like a cafe and you could go in the back and hurl plates at the wall. And I'm oh, like, that's I, nice. I would like to do that on a regular basis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Know, it would be and great. that's OK if you're paying for the place. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but if you're renting a beautiful cottage <laughs> out in the English countryside, don't bust the shit up. Right. Don't break all the terracotta. Somebody worked hard to pay Somebody for that. made all that. <laughs> Somebody made all that. <laughs> Hello, middle age. Uh, so we have Adam showing up with the dog, mm-hmm. right? Talking to Anathema. You know, uh, the dog goes in under the horseshoe. Yes, I was which is glad. I was glad the horseshoe made it into the show. 
Yeah, yeah. No, it was nice. And it was a nice little effect that they did as the dog goes in and yeah. it's all glowing red and like burning into the wood and everything. Um, so that was kind of fun. But it, but we have this moment where it's the hellhound entered the cottage and a little bit more of hell burned away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that that was kind of interesting, that the hellhound is a, a kind of carrying hell with it. So the sweeter the hellhound becomes. Right the less threatening all of hell becomes maybe like maybe maybe yeah i don't know i thought that or or maybe there's just like this idea maybe hell only exists the way that it does because it stands in opposition to goodness and when something that was evil the hellhound becomes you know kind of normal or crosses into that threshold of goodness which i guess is you know anathema's place um, then we lose that defining opposition, you know, and it just, and the dog just becomes a dog. Yeah. Right? yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. And, and in terms of thinking about the dog, I mean, it's, I don't, I can't say, okay, human, but I mean, mm-hmm. if you've looked into the eyes of a dog, you know, they have souls Yeah, and it's like the dog is becoming more human. Which is mm-hmm. kind of the point. Like that's right. exactly the same thing with Adam and exactly the same thing with Crowley and exactly the same mm-hmm. thing as Aziraphale. Um, so I really did like it. I thought it was visually done beautifully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's a, it was a nice little moment. I kind of like that. Um, I like the moment where Anathema tells Adam that school is a repressive tool of the state. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel about that? Oh, Kelly? no, no, she's absolutely right. And and like I said, if I could harness the power of this Antichrist, it would be universal curriculum reform. Like forget yes. power, forget war between heaven and hell. Like we are going to completely right. redo the education system. We are going hell to completely yeah. reinvent curriculum. We're going to do it right mm-hmm. this time. It's going to be amazing. Like give me all of that unharnessed power and that is how we will use it. And it will be oh, fantastic. Absolutely. But what's yes. so interesting to me here is mm-hmm. Anathema fills Adam with all this new knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know, she introduces him to all these new ideas, all these concerns. She gives him the new Aquarian magazine. And that is what triggers his power. Mm-hmm. But yeah. but that is not a good thing, right? This is actually the firecracker that sets off the explosion that becomes oh, Armageddon. Right. Mm-hmm. Is this use of knowledge, again... We're going back to this, you know, this yeah. apple, this idea of knowledge, like knowing too much, learning too much too fast, becoming overwhelmed mm-hmm. with knowledge yeah. because he, he is filled with it to the point that it taps into a place of him that he had not tapped into before. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's interesting to me that she makes these statements about school and yet mm-hmm. the knowledge that she introduces him to pretty much explodes the world. Right. So, like, yeah. I'm not really sure what the writers intended by that kind mm-hmm. of education, by that kind of knowledge, by that kind of learning. But it's really crunchy, you know, yeah. to no, say, I mean, it is. yeah, what what happens when you're overloaded on too much of it too fast? Mm-hmm. Is that the point or is it just the fact that we all have to grapple with this in, in some form or fashion? I don't know, but I, I like some of the questions that it raises, but it, it's just really interesting that if you look at the things that are dangerous in this world, Adam getting all of this new knowledge is dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it is. I mean, I think that having all of that knowledge and not being able to properly process it. Yeah. Yeah. And not being able to properly understand it. Like he, he knows the beginning of something, you know, like he knows what he was told, but he doesn't know everything about it. Right. So he takes the little knowledge that he had, like a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. Right. 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 You know? Well, I mean, curriculum reform, right? This knowledge wasn't scaffolded. It wasn't structured in a way that was appropriate for his age. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't given facts and other things like and, and to introduce yeah. someone to the passion of advocacy without the actions of advocacy to mm-hmm. say, OK, we have to save the whales. We have to stop nuclear power plants without steps on how you make that happen. Yeah. But then you find yourself with this incredible power where you can change things with your thoughts. Yeah. That's a dangerous weapon to unleash on a child. It is. It is. But he doesn't even know. Right. He doesn't realize he has this power yet. So, um, yeah, it's it's really I mean, I think that I, I, I mean, I think and again, I think that they thought it was cute that that, that he removes the nuclear reactor and leaves a lemon sherbet candy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, they're still like interesting. Like, I, I don't know. I always feel like I'm reaching too hard to try to find something that like these people were trying to say. <laughs> As opposed to, I'm not sure, I'm not sure they're really trying to say a lot, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> I think maybe we're reading into it, um, but it's, uh, but it's really interesting, and I, and I like that, and I'm all for curriculum reform. Yes, <laughs> and I cool. felt really bad for Adam when he's sleeping, and he's got that voice in his head saying, end it all, you know, he's, he's, yeah. he's being invaded, and there's these mm-hmm. forces that are speaking to him in his dreams when he's asleep and vulnerable. Yeah, and what is him? What is him and what is the voice of, right. you know, hell? Right. Like, where where does where does he end and hell begins? Or mm-hmm. where does hell end and he begins? I mean, you know, you don't really know. And it's not a clear line. Um, I do love in this whole thing, we have Anathema, you know, out in the street, right? <laughs> Bumping into R.P. Tyler. R.P. Tyler, who is played by Bill Patterson, who is Ned Gowan, from Outlander. And anybody who ever listened to any of my Outlander podcasts knows how much I love Ned Gowan. I love <laughs> Bill Patterson. He's so delightful. So it was really super fun to to see him. And uh, and we're going to be seeing him a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but he was he was really cute. He was Neighborhood so perfect watch. in that role. <laughs> Hello, young person. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. I like what he's like. I thought you were a person of interest. She's like, oh, I am. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, trust me, I am. I really, really am. I want the spinoff show with Anathema and Cosima from Orphan Black. Oh, yes. That's what I want. That would be fabulous. I want those two. They're not a million miles apart. Right. Oh, no. They're they're very close. Like, I want that buddy cop show. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. So speaking of buddy cops, we've got uh, Newton Chadwell, you know, Um, not much here. Uh, We have Crowley sending Chadwell to find Adam. Then we have Aziraphale sending (laughs) Chadwell to find Adam to Lower Tadfield. Um, And so that's kind of a nice little harmony there, you know, that they're both using uh, this guy. Mm -hmm. Um, Newt is looking through all of the newspapers. He finds that. And I mean, I kind of like this, that he finds the the perfect weather that is very unusual Mm -hmm. yeah and he's able to do (laughs) research without computers yeah yeah yeah. and he can see patterns Mm -hmm. so i like that i mean i like i like newt in the tv show so far i like him a lot better than i liked him in the book but that's yes not a high bar 
Absolutely. So he gets sent off to Tadfield, and that is where he's headed now. Um, we only get one horseman mm-hmm. in this episode. We get uh, Famine, who is opening up um, uh, chains for food that don't actually have food. Although it's interesting because the diner that they were in mm-hmm. looks exactly like a steak and shake, but they... I don't think they have steaks. Steak and sh- are they steaks and shakes? Steaks and steak shakes. And shakes and, um, <laughs> I don't think they have those in the UK. So, uh, so it's kind of funny because I'm like, well, where, where did they did they design it after us? So the set after a steak and <laughs> it looks it looks like they went into a steak and shake, just took over for a day and started shooting. It's crazy. Yeah, it was pretty funny. And 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 again, I was like, I was so in love with the first half of this that mm-hmm. everything else, I was kind of like, okay, but can we go back? Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't care. I like the summoner. Mm-hmm. I like him bringing the scales. Um, the actor who played Famine is beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful man. Yes. Um, so all of that was kind of fun to watch, but it, it just felt like it was pulling me away from the story that I cared most about. Exactly. Exactly. Even so, though we get a, we was, get a little shot of Elvis as a janitor too. So yeah. 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 I don't yeah. know. It's all weird. I don't know. Um, I, I, the running joke with Elvis is over my head. I don't it's care. It's there. Right. I see it's a joke. I don't get it. It's fine. I think you get it. I think it's just not funny. Like, oh. okay. <laughs> because the joke is <laughs> Elvis never died. Like, okay. <laughs> <You know? laughs> All right, fine, whatever. Um, all right, so let's go back to the thing that we love, right? Crowley and Um, So we've got them. We open up where we ended from the last episode, the book. Uh, Aziraphale's mm-hmm. calling Adam Young's house. I'm sorry, right number. He's freaking out. Um, I also like that Aziraphale's glasses look a lot mm-hmm. like Crowley's glasses from previous yeah. incarnations. Crowley's little, Crowley's little small round uh, sunglasses mm-hmm. that he wears. And uh, Aziraphale's mm-hmm. reading glasses are in a similar style. And I kind of thought that was sweet, you know? Yeah. Like when he, when yeah. he picked out that style, he was perhaps thinking of a demon we all know and love. Um, you know, I love him practicing his speech to Gabriel. <laughs> but we have this moment where he's, he like when... The first time that there is a suggestion of killing this kid, right? Mm-hmm. It is um, Crowley mentioning it to Aziraphale. And you're like, all right, Crowley's a demon, right? Then we have Crowley coming in and the earlier stuff here, right? When, during the flood, kids, you can't kill the kids, right? Right, right. Um, so we have that. And then we come down to this moment where Aziraphale is trying to figure out what he's going to say to Gabriel. And he is saying, we just have to eliminate him now. Yeah. He is actually the one suggesting that they kill the kid. And that yeah. is a dark turn. I mean, that is not sauntering vaguely downwards. That is <laughs> That is jumping off a cliff. Like, I don't know. I found that to be a little disturbing and really sad. It was really sad. And he's also, you know, he's there alone, mm-hmm. right? This is him after he's pushed Crowley away. Yeah. Trying to deal with the forces of heaven on his own. Mm-hmm. But he says, we have to do this now. 
And so I think still in his head, this is a conceptual idea. Yeah. It's not reality. Mm-hmm. And it never still is not, I will do this. Like well, he doesn't want to be the one who does it. Right. He but wants he somebody goes, to do it. Right. I mean, but that's, but it's, it's that's not horrible. Just, it's not right. just the, the horribleness of wanting to kill a kid, which is bad enough. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's also wanting this kid, but not having the courage or the right. integrity to A, yep. own that this is your idea, and B, take responsibility for it. And what he says is he wants Crowley to kill this kid, right? Right. Um, right. And then, but the problem with that is that then Crowley is going against his side. So right. he will be destroyed right. if that happens. So the idea, like Aziraphale making this suggestion, then not having the courage to stand by it and say, this is a decision that I've made. Mm -hmm. Um, Asking Crowley to do it because if he kills, if Aziraphale kills the Antichrist, he's working for his side, you know, so he can at least justify it. But Crowley will get destroyed. I mean, Crowley, like destroyed because before he lets hell get him, he will use that holy water, right? Right. So right. none of this feels, it makes me think so much less of Aziraphale. Like, I actually like that we're putting him under the kind of pressure where he says, okay, I'll kill the kid. You know, mm-hmm. I'll do it. But it, but he doesn't say that. So we see him as, as a coward without integrity. That bothers me. Yeah, and, and but we've seen this before. Mm-hmm. When I mean, he was at the flood. He saw all yeah. of those people drowning. He did not speak up. Nope. Crowley was the one saying, you can't kill these kids. Yeah. And Aziraphale is kind of clinging to this ineffable plan. Yeah. Yes, it's terrible, but it's not my place to question it. Like, mm-hmm. So that that passive cowardice, mm-hmm. and, and we see it here, too, when yeah. Aziraphale... Uh, when Crowley is like, we can go away together. Yeah. Aziraphale's not ready to make that stand. He's mm-hmm. not ready to make that move, you know, which is another form of cowardice because, of course, that's what he wants. Yeah. But he's not ready to step up and claim that yet. You know, yeah. Crowley is the one who moves toward action. Aziraphale is not. Mm-hmm. And and we see that grounded, I think, in, in fear and cowardice and denial. Yeah. Because he still doesn't want to accept that heaven is not the good that he thinks it is. Right. But it's such an essential weakness of character. I guess mm-hmm. I just wanted more from Aziraphale than that. You know, I, yeah. I find myself really just, I mean, you're absolutely right. Completely consistent. Right. Yeah. But I mean, the thing is, is that this is the time, all this time, he's had all this faith, you know, and he has just gone along and he has watched kids drown and he is like all of this stuff. And this is the moment when I want that to turn around for him. Yeah. When I want him to say, all right, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to take responsibility for it. I'm not going to let this happen. You know, and then the fact that in order for him to save the world, he has to kill a kid. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know. Like, I want to see this register and I'm not entirely certain. Like, I don't feel entirely secure that this is something that the writers are doing deliberately, you know, mm-hmm. that they are deliberately mm-hmm. dealing with Crow or with Aziraphale's cowardice. Right. You know, well, and I, I think we see essentials of character, right? When they mm-hmm. hit desperation. Yeah. Aziraphale becomes passive. Yeah. Crowley watches out for number one. Mm-hmm. 
So Crowley's plan is, hell with it. Let's leave the Earth. There's a big, big galaxy. Let's mm-hmm. go somewhere else. Yeah. And Aziraphale is, no, I'm just going to take this to heaven and and hope for the best. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have this self-centered action yeah. as a weakness on Crowley's part and this passive faith or what passes for passive faith mm-hmm. on his, you know, which is, is really coming down to cowardice from Aziraphale. Right. But this could be the moment, right? Mm-hmm. Where, I mean, I, I, and I guess it's the difference between the story I'm getting and the story I want once again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The story I want is let's put Aziraphale in this position and make him make a choice, you know, make him make a decision and have him for once take action for once stand up and do something you know mm-hmm. and it's just it's more cowardice from him and i don't i don't i'm disappointed by it i wish yeah. i wish that it was different um it's it's an incredibly heartbreaking interaction with the two of them you yeah. know um and when crowley says how long have we been friends Six thousand years and he goes friends we're not friends we are an angel and a demon we have nothing whatsoever in common i don't even like you and then he goes you <laughs> do <laughs> it's so so great yeah. but but i think he's also you know sometimes when we feel things strongly we say the truth when we don't mean to say the truth yeah and he says we're not friends yeah and all i could think of was spike from yep. buffy right you're not friends you'll never you'll never be, be friends, friends. yeah you know i may be love's bitch but at least i'm man enough to admit it and Absolutely. i'm like yes because they're go. not friends mm-hmm. they are deeply soul levelly connected in love mm-hmm. and so he's saying the truth of it without saying the truth of it but yep. then he's turning away from that yeah it's yeah. so sad it is it is really sad you know it's and then so when Aziraphale says it's over yeah oh my god I mean that's the breakup line it is and oh. then Crowley true to his Aquarian nature says you know, I don't care. Have a nice doomsday. Just right. walk away because he's not going to show how hurt he is. You know? Oh, God. It's all wonderful and terrible and I love it and I'm so disappointed and it's awesome. It's I know. It's so great. But but this is the midpoint, right? We have three yeah. more episodes and they're going to yes. get there. Yeah, they're going to get there. Yes. No, it's absolutely it's it, there's a lot of great stuff here. There's a lot of great stuff here. It is frustrating and awesome and all of these things it's very complicated <laughs> complicated show um all right so kelly what is your favorite adaptive choice oh the entire first half of the episode yeah, right no question <laughs> the all whole, stuff that's that not 28 in the book, minutes there you go yes. yeah that's my favorite adaptation mm-hmm. what about you Oh, for fuck's sake. The history with Crowley and Aziraphale. Okay, I love it. That is the show I want. That is the show I wish that I was getting. It is everything. I now feel like I want to write all the fan fiction for it. Oh, Because I want all of that, you know? Yes, I would Um, Patreon the hell out of that. Oh, my God. Yes, please. Seriously, you know? Um, But the thing is, it's just like, it's not good storytelling. It's just not. (laughs) I love you so much. You're like, this is terrible. And I love it. I love it. It's what I want. It's what I wanted the story to be. So anyway, yeah, it's, it's, I have very complicated feelings, Dr. Jones. I really do. All right. So what's your favorite part of the whole thing? 
I think it's Crowley's demonic miracle to save Aziraphale's books. Oh, yeah. I really do. That is really nice. It's so great. What about you? Uh, God, when Aziraphale gives Crowley the thermos full of holy water. Yeah. When Aziraphale finally shows up for Crowley. Crowley's Mm -hmm. showing up for Aziraphale over and over and over and over again. And Aziraphale finally shows up for Crowley. And I loved it. Yeah, it was wonderful. Sweet little thermos. Sweet little maybe thermos. We can, maybe we can have a picnic. We're having a little someday. picnic. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go feed the ducks. We'll go feed them ducks. <laughs> <laughs> To join in the discussion on Twitter, follow me at Lonnie Diane Rich and Kelly at Dr. Kelly Jones and use the hashtag ChipperEndTimes. Welcome to the End Times and everything Chipperish Media produces is made free and ad-free by the generous patrons who support us to the tune of a dollar a month or more and make it possible for us to perform little demonic miracles of our own. Visit patreon.com slash chipperish to find out more. You can also show your support for Welcome to the End Times by going to Apple Podcasts and giving us a review or telling your friends about the show and chipperish media or by suggesting what I infer you're implying. We will be back next time with Good Omens Season 1, Episode 4, Saturday Morning Fun Time. Until then, you can't kill me. There will be paperwork. <laughs>